backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Arley. We are doing a series to honor those in the anime community and industry for their talent, creativity, and boundary-pushing vision, taking anime from where it was to where it is now and further on to the future. In this series, we are going to be focusing on the Academy Award-nominated and critically acclaimed director Mamoru Hosoda. Some of his works include The Girl Who Left Through Time, Summer Wars, Mirai, and the latest in his filmography, Bell. Come and enjoy with your backdoor anime hangout as we talk about an anime legend. Before we start the show, I want to let you all know the views, opinions, beliefs, and statements expressed are not necessarily those of 22 West Radio and Otaku Hourly. They are, in fact, of the host, guest, and or caller. 22 West Radio and Otaku Hourly hold no responsibility for the validity and or accuracy of information. Now with that out of the way, here we go. Do you remember childhood? And I don't just mean elementary school or middle school if you want to take it that far. No. What I mean is when you were a toddler, when you were one year old, or even five years old. Do you remember that? I know it could be hard, yet I think we both can agree that they were simpler times. All you had to do was eat, sleep, and other baby things. Now, it may seem adorable. It may seem tempting to go back to those times. And let's take off the rose-tinted glasses. And you cannot deny me or anyone else here that at that point in time, we were all brats to a certain degree for our parents, and we just didn't know how to process that. That's part of childhood, and I can only speak for myself here. I'm sorry. <laughs> now take all those experiences, take all those fragmented memories of whatever that whole shebang is, and make it a story centered around that. How do you tell a story from the perspective of a four-year-old that is engaging, not annoying to your viewers, or not as annoying as you would probably experience it as a parent, and capture a glimpse of what could feel like a memory from long time ago, especially as we grow older with each passing year? Mamoru Hosoda's Mirai has took on the challenge and here's how they did it. We are 22 West Radio, the next wave of KBH. 22 West Radio is 22westmedia.com. And 88.1 FM, KKJZ, HD3, Long Beach, Los Angeles. Coming in at your 9 o'clock hour, it's Otaku Alley, your backdoor anime hangout. I'm your show host, Jonathan Joestar Beltran. Welcome to your backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Arley. I am joined at the hangout with the crew. Mythical Missa. And Rabra. And we are talking about the Academy Award nominee for 2019's Best Animated Feature, Mirai by Mamoru Hosoda. And we're here to basically talk about it. This movie being all about a... A four-year-old 
kid named Kuhn who just so happens to live life with his family in his house with a new sibling named Mirai. And it's about him trying to work work his feelings out as well as undergo through the various kinds of supernatural uh, events surrounding him, whether it be him interacting with his dog to even meeting some of his old uh, his mother when she was younger, or even his great grandfather uh, back in like post World War II, and so we're here to talk about this movie, and I'm here with the crew to talk about it. So I want to get your guys' first impression of it, uh, Missa. I, I understand that this was your first uh, Mauro Hosoda movie. Yes. Yeah. I really liked it, although um, I had a little bit of anxiety. I have a bunch of siblings, and so I'm very protective, especially of kids and of especially babies, because babies, like, you never know, because sometimes they're just completely fragile. Other times they can just eat it and just bounce right back. And so, but it was very reminiscent. What do you mean by that? Like, um, my little brother, for example, um, he, like, fell on his face once when he was very little and he just like got back up went back to playing another time he just got like um, pinched by a goose because he was messing around with the hey, goose. hey that's a terrifying experience <laughs> that, that, that's child right that's, now <laughs> that sounds yeah. like a very traumatic moment yeah and so he, he like cried and we had to get him but yeah it was very <laughs> just, this movie brought back many memories of especially because being the new, like, the sibling and everything and not really, I think, kind of learning and understanding that, like, oh, um, babies can't do the same things as you can. Or, like, the kind of sibling jealousy that, that happens overall. <laughs> so this, this reminds me of, like, little different moments. And because this is a very stylized way of kind of working through the problems of growing up, uh, it was very beautiful. But... I had so much anxiety just for Mirai, especially because he hit her with a toy train. About to hit her with a toy train. No, he, he hit her. Did. He hit her? What? Yeah. yeah. He did in the first part. I he almost hit her the second, second time, time, but he did hit her the first time. Uh, yeah. Interesting. And I, so I, think, I just... Hmm. Mm-hmm. My anxiety just from that, and so I'm just like, you gonna hit her again? Is this child gonna grow up to be like a sociopath? But it, it got sweet, so... He's only four years old. Doesn't know any better. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. my first impression, though, on the other hand, was like, I would like to preface this saying I have a very strong aversion to children. Mm-hmm. I really don't like kids. Uh, that sounds really bad, but I just don't, don't stick me in rooms with like all my little cousins because like they're, they're really annoying and like they. They portrayed the side of children that I really don't like very well. You know what I mean? Like the the very whiny, I don't want to do anything, I don't like you, like, side. But then uh, I have to admit, at the very end, I was like, oh, okay. So, like, these kids can learn, and they can be really sweet. And actually, I think he's adorable at the end when he's, like, learned all of his <laughs> lessons. But yeah. don't get me wrong. At the same time, I'm just like, I still don't like kids. <laughs> right, right, right. So it's still a very good movie. I feel you on that. I, I guess for me, in my first impressions, I, I would say I was annoyed at this kid simply because, like you said, Rev, it's he's a four-year-old and he's just 
very whiny. He's very petty about things. Mm-hmm. Yet, uh, did you see how many trains he had? Oh yeah, and he kept building it, building his train tracks, uh, going all about it. He all he wants to do is wear his yellow shorts uh, to his dad, and he just keeps whining about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I was annoyed by that. Yet at the same time, I, I think I was just captivated at least for me as someone who's been who's wa- been watching uh Mauro Hosoda's movies just kind of captivated just by I, I guess the audacity of just like how many elements are being put into play like in terms of like uh time travel in terms of going to these surreal locations and even working in like elements from like previous movies and stuff and even at the end I was just I don't know. I I, f- I felt so. Uh, I was. I, it was heartwarming. It was. It reminded me a little bit of just kind of like my hope in just the future generation, just children in general. Like they can be more mature and learn things and smile. And oh, yeah. yeah, they do grow up, and like they kind of showed that, especially with the mom part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that kind of catharsis of like looking back because also like remembering when i was a child and although we kind of judge the 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 brother harshly we we were probably the same way when we were four right yeah i I actually wanted to bring you do mention a good jumping off point here meso which is just this idea of capturing childhood especially through the eyes of coon the four-year-old main protagonist um how much uh, has this movie in particular, Coon, really captured that sense of childhood like for you guys? I think that he captures it pretty well. Um, when I was around his age, um, when I got like my little brothers, I was um, I was definitely like him, like had the jealousy and everything, not being the youngest, not being fond over anymore, but still wanting to be that like pretty princess and have that attention. So I think this movie really captured that kind of um, feelings that were there. And then of course, looking back and being like, wow, I was a little terror. I was adorable, but (laughs) a little terror. I was like, what did I do to my parents? I'm so sorry. (laughs) Maybe I I was. Yeah. Go ahead. For me personally though, like uh, I grew up an only child. So like I, I looked at it and I'm like, dang, I never got to experience that like competitiveness, but I can understand like where the roots of those emotions come from at the same time. Because I, I like, like, for example, we've always had a dog with me. And like, I, re- I remember one of my dogs absolutely hated me growing up. And I laughed when I saw, um, Yo- was it Yo- Yo- Yugo. Yeah. Yugo. Yeah. Um, when I saw Yugo like represented as like a, a dude, like talking about him being the prince of the house, being usurped by, uh, Kun, as soon as he started growing up, and I was like, "Oh, is that probably what my dog was feeling growing up?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh, um, I'm sorry." I remember that dog hated literally just me. Everyone else in the house, like you could walk up to it and pet it, but the second I walked up to it, it was growls and like potential biting. <laughs> and then they would always look at it and be like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm just like, or I'm just like, "I don't know. It hates me." And they're like, "No, the dog doesn't hate you." I'm like, "It hates me." I don't know what I did. I think it's just spiteful of my own existence. <laughs> Although I will say, I expect that attitude from a cat, not from a dog. <laughs> Man, cats don't care. Cats don't care. I'd be like, Meh, whatever. 
I don't need that. But like the the pompousness, the, the I was the prince of the house. I feel like that's very much a cat. Oh, great. Okay. I, can I, can see see that. I, I guess I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's funny that you guys mentioned just the your own unique experiences, um, Rav with you and the dog, uh, Missa with you um, being an old, older child. I was actually the youngest, and I I can't really say I uh, I relate to Mirai simply because I, it was just like how was I supposed to know? I was just a little baby and stuff like that. But I uh, on the same note of Rav, like I could see how stressful it must have been for Kuhn uh, just to feel that attention being diverted away from you because of this new member of the family. And I, I can't help but feel like as much as I hate uh, petty kids, like really whiny, noisy kids, I don't know. Like a part of me just feels like, wow, dang, I like I could see myself being a tad a tad petty if I I didn't get that kind of attention from someone who I really oh, look yeah, up I to. Oh yeah, I can totally understand. Again, I, I totally understand where the roots of his like emotions are coming from, but yeah. at the same time, it still doesn't make me like kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like I, I guess the movie makes makes that point clear because like it, the, there are points in the movie where I just feel like I don't think he's grown. <laughs> yet yeah i think that's that's a fair point like he's not supposed to be like a likable character okay by by like story writing terms he's not supposed to be a likable character until the end and they do a very good way of doing that where like he he's growing into himself using his like his vehicle of like what's the word discovering himself mm -hmm. which is the time traveliness of the film itself right which is supposed to be like his imagination or something like that right in a way yeah in a way, sort of, kind of, maybe. Mm. That's yeah, hard. <laughs> his train of thought, his kind of like um, outlet for dealing with things, because he kind of see like depending on the things, it's either like very stylized, like when there was the trains, or like when, um, of course, he was with his grandpa or his great grandpa. But then some of the things are kind of in real life, like when they were trying to put away the dolls. Mm -hmm. So it kind of merges from reality and like non-reality. Yeah, it's like this really interesting uh, space-time dimension fantasy thing uh, going going around in this movie. And uh, yeah, no, I, I find this this way of like communicating that kind of story as well as developing his own like maturity and little baby steps, if you will, to be fascinating. I. I haven't seen a movie quite like it uh do it in that sort of way um i'm trying to think like uh other aspects that i uh find fascinating because I, I i will jump into the point of like the time travel aspect of things i uh, so little background here i was watching this uh over at the dining table with my dad um my dad was just watching stuff on facebook and i was just watch watching this movie so that way you know uh, I could get ready for it. And one thing that my dad kind of uh, surprised me was not only that my dad was watching it uh, here and there, but he said, like, man, I feel like I could enjoy this movie, but if I just take my attention away from it, I'm lost. What is going on? I feel like because, like, the characters and everything is so relatable, like, 
It's definitely, like, if you, like, take your eyes off of it, I think you might not get, like, oh, why is this in a different reality? But I feel like the message and the characters are, like, would shine through and kind of help. It's, like, um, I, f- I feel like um, out of the characters, I relate to the dad. Because, <laughs> of course, he was an architect and did everything. But then um, he's kind of pulled through and having to take up this new responsibility of being a dad. And I feel like that's very relatable to, like, anyone's of like questioning whether or not they're good enough for the job and so on and so forth and you kind of see him develop and you see him um eventually like learning and like everyone like really wants to be perfect at the things and even though they're not perfect they find their way to like kind of that comfortability or that like like easier steps I totally agree with you in terms of the dad being a great character. It's because he's he's learning along the way and he's not adept to do, doing any of it at all. Like he's he's just new, he's inexperienced. Yet there's a lot of uh there's a lot of charm, there's a lot of uh a lot of things to love about his efforts in trying to uh uh, make Mirai sleep by like singing a, uh, by singing a lullaby of uh, him trying to take care of all the family chores, and even uh, even to the point where he actually is just uh trying to do all the the errands uh for the family, and him kind of just knocking out after uh, after all that. I just thought to myself like, wow, wow. I, for me as as a caregiver, I'm like, oh. I relate to this too much. It's uh, it's too. Do you many ever feel things. like the mom sometimes? Huh? I feel like the mom because, like, when the kid like called her a witch and everything, like mm-hmm. <laughs> the mood, but also just the emotion that this lady gives is entertaining alone. She literally becomes the devil. <laughs> it's great. It's great, and that's I, kind I, of. You know, I laughed so hard at that scene when, like, he was in the train station, and like everyone that looked like his family members turned around and they had that face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just stuck that like cartoony face in the middle of like an anime, and I was like, "Why did they do that? <laughs> this is so hilarious." Yeah, it, it's 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 fun. It's charming, and that, that's like I would say it's so soda. It's very whimsical. It's never. They they know he knows when to bring, like dial back the the drama with the kind of um, fun wholesomeness uh, that you would have in just any of his works and whatnot. Um, I know one of the things I also found interesting, at, at least uh, it, as a, as a viewer of Hosoda's, uh, there's like a lot of like su- like subtle callbacks to some of his films, like. Uh, Rav, if you could uh support me over here, like I saw, like uh, there was a particular scene where they were traveling back, back in time, going to different uh, areas. It reminded me a little bit of like a girl who leapt through time, literally leaping through time. Yeah, or literally a literal dog time. child or yeah. a little. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yes, all of these. <laughs> All of these coming in. And okay, I also... we're gonna talk about callbacks then. Um I have a very specific statement that I very much wanted to say. Yeah. Uh and it's that um 
The name Mamoru Hosoda is now probably one of the most recognizable thematic voices in the entire industry at this point, right? Like you see Mamoru Hosoda's name attached to a film and you know that the film's going to be one deeply and richly tied to like familial history and an understanding of like your own roots and where you came from. Mm-hmm. Would, do, would you agree with that? Yeah, I could agree with like that. Every single movie he has is all about discovering like your own roots and how they shape you. Right. Um, <clears throat> or like, they, okay, his films explore many themes, but they share the fact that they're all centered around the bonds of family and how they extend beyond the characters themselves, their own familial ties, and sometimes even beyond reality itself, which is like my favorite part of it. Like, uh, he does this, he does this thing with like whitescapes. Like in every single movie, there's like s- some scene where the characters are totally in a whitescape. You know what I mean? Mm, define whitescape. Uh, Summer Wars, like anytime it was the internet, everything's white in the background except for the characters walking on their little land. Or when the in Mirai, when they're time traveling, like the arrows are in this like white background, just shooting off into a distance. And that's supposed to like egg- like show that this is detracting from reality in some way, in in most cases usually. And whenever he does that, like he uses these like delightfully strange narrative hooks, like time traveling or like that. Like the the point I was trying to get to is that despite like all the fantasy that he throws into all of his like films, like all the stories he's telling are all like delightfully human. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And he displays like a really deep understanding of the human condition in like all cases, whether it's like time loops or crazy internet monsters being raised by monsters or even raising little monsters of your own. Yeah, a la and that's like children. the central theme of all of his movies. Mm-hmm. And I think Mirai, as a film itself, really deeply understands. Like, you know, so the film is about your own lineage and going back in time and experiencing the things that your history has experienced for you, and like passing those lessons on through you, right? But at the same time, Mirai is also a film that understands where it exists in Mamoru Hosoda's like filmography itself. Uh, like the film is centered around the family tree where like it brings together all of its understandings of familial values. But that is kind of like in my ideas, like this movie is kind of like a checkpoint movie in Hosoda's filmography. Like it it is a point where you can you, you can say that everything Mamoru Hosoda is like put together about family values is culminating in this one movie, just like the family tree the film is centered on. For example, like the, the biggest example for me is uh Hana from Wolf Children. She's depicted as this, like, ultimately, in my opinion, impossibly patient mother that can, like, do everything if you just give her enough time. She can cope with the whole world. Like, the world keeps, like, like batting her down and, like, punching her into the ground, but she just, like, gets up again and stands up to be, like, the greatest mother ever as the strongest force in existence. You know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. like, the mother in Mirai, it, she's detracted from, like, an impossibly patient mother to someone who snaps like at her kid when, when he's doing wrong because she's super under stress. She gets one day off an entire week. You know what I mean? She barely sees her family and she wants to raise the whole family. Her husband is kind of not like doing all the housework he needs to do. And he's very unaware of the things that he needs to be doing. And you see like the imperfections that he portrays in this fam- family dynamic ultimately make it way more believable. At least I think so in my opinion. To me where Mirai stands in his filmography itself, like it's a culmination of all the lessons he's learned, which is kind of what the movie is about too. It's a culmination of all the lessons that his family has learned putting into Kuhn, where he's also showing off all the lessons that he's learned and putting it into Mirai. Mm. That's a very eloquent way of putting it. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, uh, I know um, based on interviews of Mamoru Soto, like, I, I one of his big challenges in like just crafting this whole film was uh, trying to create like a uh, a story in the point of view of a four year old. And like, one of the things that I, at least that struck to me from what you were saying, as well as just from his interview, is just like this challenge of just kind of like empathy in terms of understanding or branching out from the theme from Mirai is just saying like, you know, wherever we bring into um, the whole thing about like adulthood, like sure, we're, we are going to grow up. Yet the thing that we kind of lose, we, we tend to forget is just that, yeah, we were children once and all the patterns that we, that we carried over was from childhood. And I think uh, in this particular movie, like like you mentioned, Rav, like I think it really shows that facet of uh, of reality of that kind of humanity in this particular film that we all have this sort of famil- like a familial connection. We all have this sort of um, how do I word this? We all have We're this all sort part of. of the I'm sorry all part of the family tree like the tree that they had right all yeah yeah right yeah and it's through all these like little decisive actions that create a ripple effect among generations upon generations i think if we're looking about about it in a filmography sense like i definitely see how much all the the lessons that he's learned from his previous films uh whether it be from like a girl who left through time like uh time waits for no one or uh, wolf children, where is this uh, dedication to parenthood, more specifically motherhood, into this film that is Mirai, where it's a matter of growing up and having this sort of awareness that any present act- action you have now is going to impact uh, the future and later generations from here on out, whether it be from... It's also that aspect. Yeah. So you say like present actions will affect the future. I think Another big point to mention is that, like, it's, it's your present actions can also be completely influenced by everything that you've taken from the past. Mm-hmm. It's like another way to look at it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like the whole point of like Mirai. The, the movie is literally titled Future, but like, it's all about like the past. Like, sure, there's the, the scenes of the future showing off that like this is the family tree and like things you're doing now can affect the future, but it's really about like, your past coming into you and like becoming everything that you are and all like your entire existence is everything that you've lived up to at that point, which is like, again, I I think that's exactly what the film is supposed to be. It's not just everything that Kuhn's been up to, but it's everything Hosoda has been up to up until this point. Like he's gone through all the lessons that he's learned and thrown them into this movie. And that's one of the reasons why it feels so powerful because mm. everything feels so real because it's everything that he's learned up until this point, just like we've all learned things up until our points in our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I find it incredibly ironic that the movie is called future, but it's all about the past coming into the present. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just all. I actually really love that aspect of the movie though. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I'm not sure really... how to follow that up. Mm-hmm. I really love um, with this movie because, like, you know, sometimes with like writers, um, like they'll write for a certain age group, but it doesn't like you can tell that it's been written by the adults when it's supposed to be like a kid or a tween or whatever. I feel like all the characters they were written in such a way that like 
like they're believable and like their words and their meanings and everything is like it's not like completely childish like i feel like like all the roles and like all the lines were written specifically with the characters and like with the age brackets and groups in mind it's smart but it's also like believable right there's a lot of empathy uh put into those lines and into that kind of writing if you guys want to figure out how it was like mm-hmm. to be um a sibling with a younger sibling you guys can borrow my siblings uh, no <laughs> I, i'd rather not to I... clarify to the audience i have seven <laughs> brothers and two sisters four of them or three of them are younger four of them are older i like being the youngest i'll keep it at that uh, can you imagine if this movie had seven siblings Oh, my oh, that's terrible. <laughs> just my life. <laughs> Literally, every every kid's going to be one cutthroat murderer just waiting to happen. You know, what's the point I wanted to talk about, though? What's up? What you guys think of the house? Who has a middle yard in the center of your house with an oak tree? Right. It has a single and an tree open in the roof. yard. Right. And with multiple levels, mind you. Flowers, just barely lawn in one tree. Mm-hmm. It is. I, I feel like this would just be an architecture's like dream house, which even then, like the the father himself is an architect too, so understandable. So I was like watching this uh little mini. It's like a one minute thirty second. Uh, well, okay, it's in the it's somewhere in like the actual Blu-ray cut of the film, but yeah. they they uploaded like a one minute thirty video on YouTube, and I was watching it, and the soda brought up a really cool uh what's the word uh argument for like why the film why the house was designed specifically like that but apparently that the house itself was supposed to be a representation of kun's family dynamic where each how each step is like a tier of the house does that make sense and like different parts of your life happen in different tiers but the one of the big things he wanted to do was remove the idea of partitions and walls where like you can always see like the past and di- like a different tier of your life, you can always see it and like travel straight to it. But the idea is that it's always visible to you. Mm-hmm. Would make sense. And then also, if thinking back to the tree, then like with body and whatnot, the tree is in the center of the house, and so the tree is kind of the heart of the house. Of course, showing the lineage and everything. Yep. But that's of course where most of the magic happens. Right. Yeah. I thought that was actually incredibly genius because I looked at that house and I was like, this is a very interestingly designed house, especially those little cuts when like his dad was vacuuming the house and sweeping the house, you know, just going from floor to floor and like teleporting almost. But like Mm. you never see a direct wall impeding your way to get there besides the glass wall, obviously, but it's a glass wall. You can always see through it, you know, So Mm. it's like your past is always visible to your present and your present will always be visible from the future. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like you can always see where your history came from if you just take a look. Mm-hmm. And just like open open the glass pane and be present. Open up the pain. Yeah. The emotions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't think about it that way. And you know what? I'll, I'll add a, a little tidbit over here. Uh, Hosoda also... Uh, Hired an architect to work yeah. on the, to work on the house too, and the way he he just uh, goes into the the whole structure of the house is just fascinating. 
I know we are gonna we we got a lot more to talk about Mirai. Uh, we are gonna take a break, so stay put. We got a lot more to talk about. want you to listen to otaku hourly or anything baka show host jonathan joestar beltran here with mythical missa and Reverath. Welcome back to your backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Hourly. We are talking about Mamoru Hosoda's 2018 film, Mirai. And I wanted to bring up Rav because he has a talking point right now. Uh, what was it? Oh, okay. Uh, it was about uh, how the movie, or how the film takes very mundane sounding, sounding interactions and places them in the forefront and really shows you, like, this familial dynamic that it, it feels so real, but at the same time, like you would never see a scene like this in a in an American movie or even in a regular animation. No one would take the time to spend animating a scene like at the very end where they're just having a conversation about how they're doing his parents while stacking the back of a car. Mm -hmm. You know, like to me, it's those little scenes that make the family feel way more believable and you understand them as being somewhat real. If that makes sense? Like, yeah, they're not yeah. just characters on a screen. Like, even for the fact that we don't even know their names, and even though the film makes a big point to point out that we don't know anyone's name besides Kun, Yuko, and Mirai, like, you see these two parents talking to each other while stacking the back of a car to go on a trip, and you think, that kind of feels real. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, the whole conversation was, uh, like, in the sense of, am I being a great dad or am I being a great mom? Some, something along those lines. And then they're like, you're, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, like, you know, yeah. They're like, you're okay, but, you know, I'd rather you be okay than perfect. Yeah. Or even like, uh, I, I think one of my favorite lines was like, you know, I, I think I'll take okay. At least it's not being, at least I'm not a bad mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, this is, this is great. This is just, this sounds something... This sounds like something that would happen in real life. I actually had a instance of that in that movie where Kuhn was learning how to ride a bike and all these kids would just come up to him and help him and give him advice. And for me, it, it's like, yeah, like it, it's kind of corny. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah, at the same time, it's just, it, it's the willingness that these boys are coming out uh, to help one kid this total stranger just get good uh for a bike and it's it's a very simple yet very emotionally powerful and resonant moment in the film i i just felt like yeah there's there, maybe this is just me sounding cynical but it's, it's like there is good in the world and this oh, actually yeah, i remember as a kid there have been very specific many moments where just like him like kids approaching him while he's trying to bike and they're like yeah you can do it man i brought it up earlier but or in, 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 during our break conversation but uh uh i remember we were at a park one day and i just threw a frisbee at my cousin and it kind of flew off in the distance some kid picked it up threw it back at us 
and then passed it back to my cousin. Then he just raised his hand and we threw it to him and he just totally joined us. And that's, yeah. that's how we made a friend for the day. Don't remember his name whatsoever, but like <laughs> kids, they just get together and they're instant friends for the next three hours. And you don't know how they do it because like right now today, you stick me in a room with 15 people. I'm not talking to any of them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's okay. I'll, I'll bring up the story that I had where I was over at a pier, right? And I was just playing my Nintendo DS and this kid just like walks up behind me and he's like, Hey, I saw that you were playing WarioWare and I actually want to go play with you. I'm not going to throw my, your DS into the water. I, I just want to play with you and stuff. And we just spent, I think like maybe two or three hours playing WarioWare and these two other kids came up and we just uh, just kept going and whatnot. And it's just, um, it was a fun time. I really, really did enjoy it. That particular moment in that movie just reminded me of how sweet childhood is. It is a very, really... <laughs> Such innocent, simple times. You know, honestly, and... maybe we are growing up to be a little cynical because there's a little part of me that watched that and was like, oh, no, I hope nothing bad happens to him. But then, yeah. like, like, I hope they don't just sit in the corner and start, like, bullying him for, like, being not able to ride a bike. But no, they just approached him. They're like, you can do it, man. Just keep biking. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot. Kids just want to be friends. For a moment there. <laughs> I thought they were they were going to be like, Haha, baby can't even ride a bike. I know. Like, I, I, that's the cynic in us. I, I swear to God, we just grew up to be fucking... Yes. Or, sorry. Uh, freaking Squidwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what a Apologize. loser. Like, when we're kids, we're Spongebob. When we're, we're adults and we're teens, we become Squidward. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, where is all the light in my in my life gone to now? Probably to snacks, or at least like when I was like a kid, how I made friends was usually through like trading snacks or like stuff like that. Because I had like I had ho hos and I had um I had Twinkies sometimes or like the Hostess treats, but I also had um Rice Krispie treats and I had like the bag of Cheetos. So <laughs> I was pretty cool snack wise. So sometimes I I trade and I would make friends through there. I think snacks are always a great way of making friends. Mm. Got it. Got it. You know, it makes me think about uh, since we're talking about such great times, like uh, like how certain events in this movie really reminded us of like how great childhood can be. Like, I'm just thinking, like, could we bring some of that childhood back as just jaded adults? You can carry I don't around. Know. Like it, just, it feels very weird for adults. It's a very uncomfortable. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> I don't think it's uncomfortable. I think it just no, part of it. No, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I'm just like... I thought you are being real right now. No, see, we like... lost the light in our eyes because it just turned to the darkness of our rooms that we never leave. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. As we're marathoning different animes and stuff, all we could see... The only light I see is the screen on my TV. Living vicariously through the anime characters. Indeed, yes. Self-insertion is a real thing. Kind of a problem, but very real thing. <laughs> this is very true. Chunibios. Um, yeah, no, like I, I, I really mean it. Like where a part of me really wants to rekindle and maybe I, I'm doing it to some small degree, rekindle that sort of childlike wonder, this sort of friendly, wholesome atmosphere. Um in a very complicated uh world such as this. And it's a uh, I don't know. It's it's like movies like Mirai that capture that sort of 
youthful innocence. Uh, not to paint it in rose-colored, in a rose-colored uh, tint, noting Kuhn's own little pettiness. It's just this idea that, yeah, no, like, we were children back then, and I think it wouldn't hurt to, you know, smile a little bit more, or even just appreciate things a little bit more with the sort of uh, whimsy that the movie exudes and whatnot. I, and I think that's the thing that you get from watching the movie, just like an appreciation for the things that have built you and like remembering a bunch of the things that have built you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like one of the masterful pieces of a Hosoda film. Like you think about the movie, obviously you think about like the characters and what they had to do to get to their point and like the plot itself. But post a Hosoda film, you think about yourself. It's always thinking about yourself and like, the things that have brought you to become the person that you are because that's ultimately what his films are always about right yeah you know it's funny uh as you mentioned it uh it also brought it brought upon me like this uh this other really powerful moment in the movie where earlier in the it was rumored that uh of like how the grandparent the great grandparents got got together uh through a through a race uh, where essentially uh, great-grandpa told great-grandma that if I win against you in a race, then, you know, we'll get together and stuff like that. And it just so happened. Uh, but the thing is, uh, like, people in the family did, don't believe it. it. It seems as though it's just, you know, all hearsay, rumors, uh, simply because grandpa had, like, uh, a wrecked up leg. And then we see uh, Kuhn and Mirai travel back to the past, and you see the race happen. And you see that the great-grandma like, runs faster than the great-grandpa because the grandpa is limping his way to the, to the finish line. And yet, you see the great-grandma actually waiting for the great-grandpa to get to the finish line. And it's, it's just like through that simple action uh, made me realize like uh one there's goodness in the world and two there's this sort of this like of course humanity but like this sort of uh simple like this simple empathetic complexity <laughs> oh wow that's a, that's a weird way of putting it but it's like it, it's such a nuanced way of showing love and empathy uh, in that moment. Because it, it's like, it's sure, it's part, partly pity, but at the same time, it's like there, there's an admiration uh, put in there um, that the grandma, that the great grandma got got to see that coon got to witness with his own eyes that not only th did this happen it helped shape him uh to be who he is now um you know in a generational sense yeah it's yeah it, it just really brought me back to what what humanity can bring the this sort of wholesome charm even as uh, even if it were in the past, even as they grew up to be adults uh, post-war, it's you know you could find those moments, um, and it could be done. 
Yeah, I think part of it's that, but like I feel like with humanity and whatnot, and with all these characters, it's given that chance and taking a chance. Like you don't like sometimes, but you don't really see any of these characters become like completely cynical or whatnot. They still believe, they still have hopes and dreams and everything. And even though some of them, of course, are becoming adults or growing up, just because you're becoming an adult doesn't mean you have to be an adult. So I think, like, all of them kind of have sense that, like, nothing's perfect and nothing is, like, truly just one way. I think they are very open to chances and change and new opportunities, or at least they start to grow that way as the story continues on. Yeah, and I think, overall, like, maybe we need to have more of that openness with people. Maybe then we can make friends like how we did as kids give people opportunities and we can we can just try to play Wario games with them or <laughs> dress up or, yeah, or share throw snacks frisbees. With throwing yeah. frisbees at random strangers. And uh yeah. yeah. That's how it be. And also embracing and loving each other in in the midst of our own imp- imperfections too. Uh, knowing that these parents aren't necessarily the perfect people, just as Rav has mentioned thus far, yet it's still knowing that uh, that in that moment, you can still really uh, appreciate each other's company and just, what is it? The Try sort of, that. yeah, the, the becoming uh, in that process of sorts. It's It's very heartwarming it's very reassuring to know that yeah i know love like this kind of love can still happen and it's um you know the patterns from uh can still uh can still impact us uh from childhood to now um yeah with that being said any final thoughts on the movie you see Jojo near the ocean, ask to play Wario with him, but make sure you put that you don't, you won't throw his DS into the ocean. <laughs> Raph will be waiting in the park, throwing frisbees at strangers. If someone throws a frisbee at you, dude, make friends with them. They want it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I will be on the playground wanting to be a Disney princess, but mainly Tinkerbell. I don't care if I don't have blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, and remember, if you have snacks, it's all right to share, no matter what. Make sure hey. that they're wrapped and sealed up. You better be clean about it. <laughs> dirty, dirty human beings. Uh, Missa, you had something to say, and you wanted to end it off, end the show off with a good, happy note. Yes. I think overall with Mirai, what it shows is that even though like you're growing up and even though of course like they tell you to to do things a certain way and like we're kind of expected as a society, as people, as parents, as overall people to do things this way and do things perfectly. But I think like just because you're becoming an adult, just because you grow up doesn't mean you have to kind of lose that childhood, that a sense of wonder. And, like, I know, of course, like, we eventually have to learn to do taxes and do 
stuff to to kind of have the status of adult in adulthood. But I think if you keep that inner childness, if you keep that sense of wonder and whimsical and that funniness that we had had when we were four think the world will be better and maybe we'll, we'll grow up to be less cynical and have that openness that Mirai and the characters in it had. You know, Missa, that, that actually brings up a very very enlightening quote that uh, that Mamoru Hosoda had and it very much echoes what, what you just said. Uh, do you mind if I could actually read it? Head. Yeah. So, just to be clear, this is actually from the uh, from one of the Blu-ray extras from Mirai. So um, they did an interview with him, and this is what he said with regards to just what he wanted to communicate with the movie. As a society, there's a pressure to hide and manage those feelings discreetly. Those uh, feelings being just this sort of stress and anxiety. If just for a moment we gave each other permission to put down that title and facade of adult, we will probably find that we're still affected by our memories and feelings from childhood that live somewhere within us. My intention for this movie is for it to speak to those feelings within the viewer. And so, with that being said, I want to emphasize here that even though we are growing up doesn't mean we grow out of being uh grow out of like feeling like a child or being that uh ch childlike it's still knowing that you could still retain that while also knowing that we can mature uh, along the way so with that being said show host jonathan joseph beltran here with mythical missa Reverend. and if you're interested in watching mirai you could find it over at uh, Netflix at the time of this recording. And in addition to that, if you want to snag your copy, the licensors for this particular title is from G Kids. You can get the Blu ray, the DVD, and the digital. So, we'll see you all at the next Backdoor Anime Hangout. Peace out, y'all. Hi. At the time of the recording, Mamoru Hosoda has released his newest film, Bell. It comes out on January 14th through January 20th. And for more information about where you can see it at your local theater, visit bellfilm.com. That is B-E-L-L-E film.com. I'm your show host, Jonathan Jostar Beltran, and we'll see you all at the next Otaku Hourly.